Hi and welcome to one more episode of the State of Retention Marketing Podcast. Today's conversation is the first of its kind because I have an investor on the consumer space in India as part of this conversation. Fireside has been a very, very early believers in the whole big consumer story in India. And they've taken a bunch of bets. Some of them have panned out very interestingly. Thank you so much for doing this, Ankur. Welcome on board to the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So maybe Ankur would be a good idea to just talk a little bit about your personal journey, the switch from consulting to investing, and what's your outlook on the whole consumer space in India? A little bit of a personal story. So I joined Fireside about 15 months back. And uh, yeah, I was been consulting uh, with KPMG on the business consulting side, having seen consumer brands evolve. And uh, what felt was this is the right time to work with uh, great entrepreneurs who are building something so powerful that had the power to disrupt the consumer space in a very different way. Mm. And that got me thinking, saying, how can I get an opportunity to work even closely with the entrepreneurs rather than seeing them journey, their journeys outside the fence. So yeah, the, the inside the arena sort of pull got me in and uh, it's been a great ride so far. Absolutely. Fabulous. So the whole thesis on consumer for you is fairly bullish. Do you know, break it down for us a little bit. Then, you know, how do you see this playing out? What is the big story? What kind of segments, what kind of sectors, anything that helps us understand the outlook better? Sure. I mean, I think uh, maybe a couple of data points would help you yeah. uh, put the put my at least points in perspective. So India today is a $3 trillion economy. And, uh, you know, if the way you slice and dice, you look that the consumer economy is a good 50-60% of it. Mm -hmm. Now, as we see the future, we are saying that the, the overall GDP itself continues to grow from $3 trillion to, let's say, 5 or $6 trillion over the next few years. Now, if you just take that 60% cut to it, you're saying the consumer economy is going to be equivalent to the GDP of India today. Yeah. Now, that sort of gives us a lot of conviction. That's mm -hmm. one. Second, uh, India today is digitally equivalent, maybe financially not equal. Mm. What it fundamentally means that the path to discover brands, create mm. aspirational, at least belief that there are new brands, consumers across different sects want to try, it's going only stronger and stronger. Now, as you fuel the economy and give them the more purchasing power with the GDP per capita increasing, the marriage of digital and the propensity and the purchasing power, that creates a very, very large outcome waiting to unfold. Okay. Now that, uh, what, what really today we are seeing in the market, right? We are seeing a great entrepreneurs who are disrupting this space mm -hmm. by not having a me too product. They're going sure. deep into understanding consumers, their needs, their belief, ecosystem. They are almost embedding their journey, thinking consumer backwards. Okay. And that fundamentally shifts the way you have seen consumer brands evolve in the country so far. Mm. It's always been a play of distribution funnel. It's always been more of a pull, right? Mm -hmm. Then we saw a phase where it was push on the all consumer tech platforms or marketplaces. Today, the consumer is actually discovering and searching for those brands. So we're actually going going to the pull side of it, but in a side. very, very different way. And, and the consumers want to try new brands. Obviously, COVID saw a lot of experiment in terms mm. of saying, can I try this brand? Should I? Today, they don't have an inhibition to experiment with the new brand. Sure. And, and obviously, as we go deeper into the conversation, that's the nidus of saying why it's very important to keep reinforcing to the consumer that you exist as sure. a brand. Now, some of these forces, if you if you put this in the perspective of, as an investor, does it excite us from an opportunity standpoint? What do we see as the future is there are opportunities to go global. We've seen in brands mm -hmm. like Vadham, the Ayurveda Experience, and all the others in the portfolio, there is so much which you can do at a global footprint. The world is your oyster. So there are a lot of those new areas. I mean, the future of commerce itself, where discovery layer where you will in fact interact with the other consumers so all those ingredients today exist it's about finding the right recipe to get to the consumer household keep engaging with them on a repeated basis and create iconic brands and that's what we believe in fair enough i'm going to take a bit of a step back on the first part of what you said on the whole size of the market and the way it's growing and the posture size from that lens and now that's somewhere uh, at a macro level sounds awesome but at the same time, we've seen a lot of this bubble up a bit happen that, you know, the ultimate time in India of high value consumers is, let's say, 0.5%, whatever that size is. And everybody seems to be competing for their attention, their wallet share and their 
loyalty to anything in specific might just be even harder to get. So, how do you see this, uh, you know, market size issue versus uh, the organic growth versus the whole very push-driven play? Because the way these digital brands have spent money on acquiring customers has become very aggressive. So, how does this whole TAM capping out versus a huge headroom to grow come together? So, actually, uh, I have a little contra view to the, the TAM capping that. out, right? Today, if you see, there are about 200 million active shoppers on the digital sure. media out of which maybe 50 to 70 are power users. And there are others who've dabbled with the thought of transacting online. Mm -hmm. They've gone ahead and made some at least purchase and some part of their mind space as well as the wallet share has gone into the digital side. Sure. Now, as you see this hopper growing further and mm -hmm. as you see the, the 130 odd million who are today no power users, but they coming into the, the first cohort, that means that the TAM actually is only going to go multifold. What I did gather from, from, from your question is around the fact that how do you get into this 50, 70 million and why it becomes important to keep engaging with them time and again. Yes, it is, it is definitely important. See, within this 50, 70, actually a lot of disruption is happening in terms of, as I said, both their mindshare and wallet share. They are seeking new products. They have very different set of choices in terms of when it comes to hobbies, where sure. they want to discover brands. Now that all is going to add to what I was spending on my wellness maybe mm -hmm. five years back to now what I'm spending as a household on wellness. Those kind of things actually will keep on evolving. Sure. But what it also mean is that there are a lot of new brands that will keep emerging in the space. I mean, beauty and personal care has seen that in the last three, four years. It's important for the brands to move away from the clutter. And that is where engaging with the consumer with the right product which is, you know, almost like a table stakes to say you need to yeah. have the right product. But the storytelling for mm. these products where you go and talk to the consumers, almost blend yourself in their thought process. Mm. You sell the product, but you also need to very clearly identify what is that critical path of re-engaging with that consumer. Mm. Because the consumer today, while using their product, well, your, your product as a brand, today is also discovering 100 more brands All the with time. the same use cases. So it's, it's almost on the go figuring out what is that critical path and continue to engage. So in some sense, this is going to uh, how a brand should go about. I will kind of a little, uh, stay, uh, stay back on the same point of the TAM capping out situation. So in some sense, what the venture capital ecosystem has also been sometimes accused of is the fact that a brand had a great business running at a certain scale. It could have continued to grow at a certain slow pace, but because of the need to aggressively grow, they tend to try and create the category faster than it would otherwise. And that ends up causing trouble because, you know, there's only so far you can grow because of aggressive push. How's your stance on that? I, see, I can see your portfolio of companies is a lot more disciplined about this, but that's not how the ecosystem is operating. Do you have a view? Yeah, I think uh, when we start interacting with the, with the founders right at the start, right? Look, TAM at times is, is perceived as the future growth. It is actually more of saying, reflecting in where today the industry stands. Sure. And all successful brands you've seen in India mm. in the last five, six years have actually only propelled the TAM further. They've actually created a new use case in some, mm. um, at least examples, which means that the TAM, what they had perceived as founders, what we had perceived as investors, it's even underpinned to a very large extent because sure. these are category creators. Mm. The source of growth actually is saying that the consumer is adding on this product at a very different price point at times mm. to their wallet. Right, so the TAM okay. tapping out uh, and, and the TAM evolved, right? Nobody knew that there will be color cosmetics brand which will emerge in a very different way or men's grooming for that matter, sure. right? Now, five years back, somebody would have asked, what's the TAM for men's grooming? You would have restricted it to possibly hair care and some body lotion, sure. right? Today, when you look at TAM and more backwards again, it says a very different story and the future is, is more and more very, very different. It boils down to the fact that am I able to identify the potential new users? Mm -hmm. Am I able to continuously churn and convert them into current users mm -hmm. and solve the problem of them not becoming dormant? Right? Okay. Till Which the time... The, the, second, the third part you said is like the most critical and the most ignored in some sense. Absolutely. I mean, that is where I was getting to, to say... One is to go and acquire new users, continuously engage with them. But if you are able to very clearly articulate the proposition on a repeated basis, because you've spent that money, you've on the aggressive growth path, you've actually spent a lot of money acquiring the consumers. Correct. Maybe on programmatic platforms, as I call them, walled gardens on Meta and Google. But 
what's important is to watch out for the source of growth is not falling because there is increasing dormant users. How do you convert them into resected users? Because in my head, at least the maths, the way it works, is if the new users plus the resected users are always higher than dormant users, mm -hmm. the aggression is not required because the consumers will fuel the growth. Sure. Right. And that's where the, the equation, I mean, that's for me the pulse that's of basic the consumer brand. The whole thing. Right. So it is very important for brands to identify and watch for that aggression of growth married with the fact that I'm actually building a brand where the consumer is there for the lifetime. Right. I mean, well, of course, LTV, CAC, etc. is very sure. uh, widely spoken topics. Yeah. But the next layer to it is to say, why are consumers falling off? And, and, and you know, yeah, I mean, uh, just the last point on that is the way you look at retention itself has to be very, very different than, and it's not going to be one size fit all. And I can, you know, because the reality is 80% of the customers don't even make a second transaction with a large number of brands that they try. So when you say that resurrect these guys and find a way to total your resurrected plus new with your dormant, it's not practically possible for a lot of these brands, it seems. I think uh, if I take a step back, right, what is retention is the core question, right? We keep looking at retention data as n is equal to 12, as equal to 6, 9, where n is always assumed to be months. Mm -hmm. But every brand based on their proposition will need to have a very different definition to N, yeah. right? And if you're able to A, crack that, mm. right? And not get cocoon with the fact that, oh, my great retention in six months, three months, nine months. However, the critical action as the next step based on the use case could be seven days for that matter. Mm. Yeah. And once, so the first step is to understand, right? Who are these users? What are What is their behavioral persona, right? Now, this could apply very differently even for different set of consumers. You bake this into defining what is this N. The and time window. At, yes. And mm. at the right time, if you're able to hit the consumer with the right messaging, with the right offer, with the right storytelling, that is where the game has to be played very, very differently. Ideally. Right? I mean, and, and the matter of fact, Uncle, is that today you, you are looking at this as an inside out. Mm -hmm. But the world is moving so fast, the digital media is moving so fast, that that end which you have perceived as seven days could in reality be four days because the consumer is being hit with so many choices almost on a daily basis. Sure. So, you know, you have to continuously keep on sort of revisiting that maths till you find the secret sauce and the formula of success. And to me, that is retention. And that is almost what should keep founders and the growth teams awake at night to say, am I solving for an acquisition story or am I storing for, solving for the retention story? That important in the consumer journey. So thank you so much for establishing the importance very clearly. Usually we don't see that level of clarity from a lot of conversations. But one in effect saying is the first or second order repeat rate itself as a metric. Now time frame could be variable depending on the nature of business. But that metric itself ends up being an 80% drop off for a large number of brands. Uh, could be out of the nature of uh, the product itself, the quality of the product, the quality of the experience, the fact that consumers are still experimenting, flirting with the brand, and in some sense, perhaps the lack of attention to, uh, if, if your retention window is, let's say, more than a year, the brand recall might just die off in some sense. So the chances to bring the user back would be always a harder one. So in the same sense that if you were to look at defining the KPIs or the ideal metrics around these numbers for some of your portfolio brands, if you could give examples, maybe without naming with naming, as to what's a good metric for, let's say, a consumer brand operating in a set of categories, which are, uh, let's say, a low frequency, mid frequency, once a quarter frequency kind of products. What do you think are the good benchmarks for people to have? Is there a, let's say, a rule book or a set of guidance around it? I think, uh, to my mind, as I said, one-size-fits-all approach of course, actually doesn't which work. Which is where so zoom into some specifics. So I'll, I'll refrain from quoting a benchmark, but I'll give you some examples from the portfolio. Right? But today, let's say if you're solving for a, a very specific use case, which is, and we've got a brand in our portfolio called Gynoveda. Mm -hmm. Now, they're solving for chronic women issues, right? Now, imagine a consumer a woman who's been suffering from menstrual health, reproductive health issues. It could be fertility, it could be PCOS, PCOD for years. Yeah. The consumer has discovered this brand, found meaningful proposition, bought it, right? The expectation setting is very important to say it's not a magic wand. Sure. You won't see results in the first month. 
but the consumers will want to try the products for one month. Yeah. But where you start seeing results is nothing less than three or six months, okay. right? So for that kind of a brand, it is very important to ensure that A, the proposition is baked into the three to six month story. Mm -hmm. Second, it's very important that the consumers don't get frustrated with, am I seeing immediate results, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if the expectation of the consumer in the first place was about a magical wand, they would actually get, get frustrated, disrespected. right? So it's very important for hence brands like these, and we've seen this time and again in examples like Tria, etc., where regime compliance becomes the, the core of, while it would say retention, at the same time, proposition delivery value results. Delivery itself, yeah. Right. So value delivery, it, as you said, is something which is so importantly pegged on the fact that retention is important. To me, retention is not even the second purchase here. Sure. For me, if somebody is buying a three, six month product, but disengaging with the usage in one month, then I'm losing the consumer. So yeah. a lot has also moved from post-purchase to in-purchase, right? Sure. In the usage cycle, hmm. without getting into the next purchase, can you solve for retention, right? Okay. That's 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 one example and we've seen commonly in some of those. Curious, is there a way to put a metric to it that at the end of two months, X number of people were still using the product because the, the way to collect this data would pretty much be out of, of the records, right, in some sense? I would say the single factor which you could look at is efficacy because if your product is meant to solve for problems in sure. three to six months, mm -hmm. and if you've delivered a very high efficacy, Triya today has delivered 93% efficacy on hair care, which is on the men's balding issue. And I mean, you know, depending on the stage you are at, and that requires a regime that requires you to continuously use it for months. So for me, the definition of saying, have I retained this consumer to deliver efficacy? So at times, I mean, the, the point which I wanted to drive mm. home was retention need not be always measured as second order. the second order, Fair. right? So this is the completion of value delivery itself, but what I'm trying to pinpoint is uh, the way to uh, get to know this. Like when you say that this is 93% efficacy for trial, how do you find this metric out? Because the users may or may not be in touch with the brand. You will not get all of them to come back and tell you that this is what they've been able to achieve. There will be this, you know, habit forming issues. Some people will, a lot of people will not. Because that's a large number of people who will get very motivated to try something out, but then they'll fizzle out through the journey. So I understand the emphasis on trying to get everybody to complete the journey and that could be your brand strategy to make sure they deliver value and hence retain. But how do you solve for this data gap in the, in the meanwhile? I, mean, I think till the time you're talking to the consumer, mm. till the time you are giving them enough reasons and avenues to come back and interact with you even in interact this journey. Interact with you in some fashion. Right? So be it coaches. So for example, mm. uh, Triya has a beautiful model where they have coaches who interact with the consumers. Okay. Right? Because they're going through a journey. And uh, while you've set the expectations... Uh, right at the front, but you also need to ensure that they are being taken care of in this journey, which means that at the time you've created those layers where A, data, or in a more programized way, you're engaging with the consumer, mm -hmm. that is where the data gets collected. Actually, data so is an alibi. So proxies to engagement that, okay, if he's consuming the product and interacting with the coach at a certain level, I mean, I would just translate into M7, number of coach interactions of all the people who are acquired in month one. Is that the lens we're saying? Yeah, in fact, I'm not even imposing the coaching. Coach, sure, that's coach just one the possible consumer, lens. Right? So till the time consumers are continuously interacting with the coaches, I know something is working. Absolutely. Right? And see, that fundamentally then shifts the game in terms of saying, am I relying again on a consumer to discover me or am I actually ensuring the consumer never forgets me? Sure, which right? is to, so, you know, to be present in the consumer's life is definitely important because of the nature of noise that exists, right? And right. the more you know about the consumer, the more information can be utilized to personalize that journey, which would help relevance in some sense. And then that would translate into slightly better attention span from the consumer in some That's sense. Right. So what I was trying to uh, hint at was uh, for the brands which are in a format where habit formation would be needed, the value delivery would be slightly longer duration. That's and you will right. have to find proxies of the nature of maybe a coach interaction or maybe content consumption to see that this uh, guy is eventually going to get the value out of the platform or not, or product or not, and then eventually come back and repeat or not. But, you know, there's a wider portfolio of things and there are things which are going to be casual consumption, snack items and such stuff as well. And uh, you said try as a 93% benchmark, which seems quite credible. But what are the other scenarios in which you will see a good enough number? Because at the pace of which companies have to grow, the kind of retention rate they see at, you know, whatever interim time windows you decide, let's just say yoga bar, snacking category, they have a offline, online, mix plus marketplace, so anywhere the data gets distorted. But on their D2C engagement platform, in your impression, what would be the right 
way to look at am i doing well sure. am i not doing well so i think kankur uh, there are couple of more very different and interesting examples in the portfolio sure um obviously you know a product like or a brand like sleep company for example it's a one time purchase right now there for me it's more important to convert the consumer of course and retention is about ensuring that the consumer is happy with the product but as you said there could be snacking brands there could be beauty brands where the repeatability of purchase or the purchase cycle is so very different uh i think there are ways and means to test it out sure. what are you ultimately testing for you are saying have i built a consumer franchise and has my consumer franchise translated into a delivering the right value which is the value delivery we just spoke about but also then reengaging with the consumer the challenge of course in an omni channel format is and, and you know credit to to how even the offline channel has shaped up and today while you do have some proxies in terms of saying whether the retailers are repeat orders are coming in from there how my catchment area is performing what's translating into my marketing spends vis-a-vis how, how much business am i seeing from a particular location so there are ways and means and proxies which are available i think till the time you are keeping a single handed focus around saying the number of consumers are acquired and the number of consumers who've become dormant right mm-hmm. and it's very easy to track that that's right one. Mm. that's that actually tells you a whether the consumer is happy with the product mm. and is there even a possibility to retain a consumer i think the second important of course you know you look at the cac matrix look at the roas etc it will give you good indications i think i mean i'm not generally speaking about those things because they anyways well spoken about documented in the public domain as well more, but philhal computer point <laughs> sure sure so i think what we've seen today's founders from day 1 they started to think about it right okay. so they started to think about proxies from day 1 while they some started d2c some businesses today require them to go offline from almost early day 1 yeah. right even early days when you're going offline so the proxies have to be either direct or indirect i think there are indirect channels which are available today to give mm. you indications whether retention is happening or not i mean obviously platforms like yours the whole data analytics layer you create i think the the biggest shift i have seen is the way you are able to segment your audience okay right because when you look at data at an uber level you may miss the larger picture right so rather than missing the woods for the for the trees you need to at least look at saying what segment is the potential power user sure right and for that it's very easy to actually determine whether those consumers are sticky consumers right mm-hmm. i mean if you just look at the share of market share of your competition it will give you a good indication because you will know typically how much or where they are spending and what mm-hmm. medium they are using mm-hmm. and if they are able to see complete repeat views right what becomes important is to look at for example customer reviews it's sure. it's telling a story so there are multiple things that have to come together and that is where platforms like yours come into play you need to have a the right crm you need to have the right data sources but to your point in closing on that at least the proxies are available and you can make meaningful sense out of it so i mean at least the clarity on day 0 the the whether i have the right information or not there's no hiding behind the fact that you need to watch for your retention metrics or the proxies regardless you know the other lens i'd want to put on the same question is uh, the same conversation is in some sense there are d2c concepts or new uh, digital first concept which are about category creation these categories have not existed and then there are ones which are just digital first but perhaps in an existing category with a bit of let's say nuanced uh, delta on the product experience superior value delivery maybe for a discerning customer so in general the whole uh, creation of a brand or a creation of a category is a certain amount of education investment and so on and so forth and on the other side you have an existing category where they just have to shift behavior perhaps to a slightly more premium product in both cases the amount of investment it takes to maybe educate or make the consumer aware what you call at the top of the funnel level one extra was kind of stuff is one lens where brands can sometimes get distracted and that happens pretty often that brands will over index on this one extra was affair in too early in their journey and that would probably cause issues subsequently so in your guidance what would or in your assessment when you look at a guy doing a smart job at this how does this roas evolution play out so uh, roas is actually a you know it's a very interesting uh, topic all of us uh, keep talking about I think uh, the founders a have become smart to figure out that the funnel management doesn't end at top of the funnel. Sure. The bottom of the funnel is equally important. The retention of the funnel is equally important and as you scale that is what's going to determine whether a brand becomes 
extremely successful or just successful, right? And the guidance given from our side is you have to balance performance and brand, sure. right? Very early, you need to start figuring out whether you're selling a product or you're selling a brand. And okay. building a brand requires going to trenches of understanding the consumer, identifying them beyond the usual personas, building the products and don't build products for power users. One of the common mistakes a lot of folks do is keep re-engineering the product for the power users. And that's where retentions will keep falling off because the new set of consumers who are entering the funnel have to also be retained. Otherwise, it's a chicken and egg because you sure. are going and acquiring consumers by spending the dollars, but you're not getting anything out of it. Well, power users are extremely happy, but that sect is so small, it's too small that it actually jeopardizes your entire growth story. So one of the things which we've been emphasizing on is at the right time, go and test out whether the brand has started to see awareness. That's okay. the top of the funnel. So we do actually insist a lot of our brands to start doing brand tracks very early. Okay. Right? Um, obviously, brand track is a very well-known phenomena from day old days, but today's DNA actually warrants the brand track exercise even more and even at scales of 30, 40 size of, yeah, I was going to ask you, it, it, what's the starting point of somebody to actually talk about brand tracks? So, at least we believe even at a 40, 50 crores, brand 50 should crores start annual at, revenue run. That's right. ARR, you that's should still, look at. Okay, fair. I mean, you've already crossed like a lot of mortality points before you get to a 50 crore. See, what are you gauging in the brand track, right? You already know that a product market fit has got established. Which Somewhere, is I mean, 50 crores won't happen without you know, that. Two, Unless you've grown, grown 200 crores to make that happen. But Yeah, I mean, yeah. then you're not established a consumer Correct. franchisee. So as I said, when you've got a sense around saying there is possibility of establishing consumer franchisee at scale, you also need to take a step back and seeing the marketing which I'm, I'm actually spending money on, what is it translating into? So sure. one of the, the key principles of this is to say, how do you balance performance and brand? right? You can't possibly start making that switch at 100, 100, 200, 300 crores because there you have actually only acquired consumers through performance. Now, if you continue to engage with them, try to retain them, try to keep selling your product through performance, you will start feeling the heat very soon, right? Now, either then you keep going and raising capital, you know, building business for the future, right? Sure. So it's very important, one, to manage funnels the right way. We look at this fine balance of performance and brand. I think the third is the choice of channels, mm -hmm. right? Uh, there will be certain channels where acquisition, but more importantly, retention becomes extremely important, but difficult to execute, right? Okay. While the D2C or closer to, to the to home, consumers are very open to interacting back with the brand. You need to create reasons for talking to the consumers, even in indirect channels. Right, okay. create a hook or in fact create multiple hooks to actually get that feedback from the consumers. Is this to the say, equivalent of putting a voucher code in your Amazon order to say that come back talk to us? Ah, I mean, you could look at That's a voucher, fine. you could look at, yeah, so it could be more of, uh, you know, consumer win, thinking at least that they're winning something out of it. Sure. Uh, win back campaigns or it could be email campaigns. It could be more about actually telling the consumer just about brand, not, not trying to sell anything just engaging with them. Right? So today, the story of the brand is so important at times where you're saying, hey, look, this is how, you know, this is what you bought in and this is this is what the brand's being built mm. to. This is the purpose of the brand. Keep engaging with the consumers because today's consumers like doing The stories, right? Valuable. I mean, so our guidance to the to brands, uh, you know, in the portfolio has been, A, each brand will have their very unique journeys. It's becoming more and more important to identify what's your unique playbook. Some of the, the things I spoke about on funnel, performance, brand seems to be the common theme. I think the fourth important is to partner with the right folks at the right time, right? Data analytics comes into play very, I mean, the, the core rock bed of all of this is to create very seam, seamless interaction with the consumer on back of data analytics, right? Sure. Or at least let the consumer feed into data which is so raw at times, you need to make structured and meaningful sense out of it to be able to at least decide the next course. Mm. I think that's that's where it's important to start investing in, right? I mean, work with partners, work with platforms. There are so many available, suiting your needs, customize it to the consumer journey. These are these take time. 
I mean, don't expect them to start showing results on day one. So that's that. Those are some of those guiding principles, at least from our side to the brand. I'm going to try and get a little more uh, step back. You started this whole brand track conversation at 40, 50 crore level. I'll go to the level of a brand which is, let's say, at a 50 lakh a month kind sure. of revenue scale because that's a large number of brands who would love to cross over to the next, let's say, orbit of growth, but will have its own set of challenges. So from a things to care about or from the KPIs to care about or KPIs to uh, watch, uh, let's say, even at the brand versus performance spend allocation kind of thing or the ROAS metrics as to, you know, what is the top of the funnel, what is the bottom of the funnel. How does it evolve in the, you know, maybe you could define a few key milestones in the journey of a brand that when sure. you went here, do this when you hit here. I'm sure there's no general playbook, obviously, but maybe take an example of any category and then let's build from there. Sure. I mean, uh, while we do have a D2C playbook, uh, you know, and uh, and again, it's not only open to the portfolio, but companies where we've not uh, crossed the bridge in making the investment, we do share that guidance with a lot of portfolio and, and outside the portfolio founders as well, building in the consumer space, because we believe uh, the opportunity, as I said, is even larger. See, I think uh, what it boils down to at a 50 lakh to 75 lakh is you're still getting to know the consumer. Sure. Right. You're still getting to discover a lot about whether the product is working or not. What is the consumer seeking out of the product? Are trials actually converting into power users eventually? Right. So essentially for a founder, it becomes important to revisit this journey time and again. Right. How will you do this now? I think talking to the consumer is absolute almost as I said table stakes, right? You have to have yeah, to sure. talk to the consumer as founders hmm. and don't have to stop it at a four or five crores, right? I mean, in fact, some of the founders I talk to of scaled brands and branches are doing at least 500,000 crores. One common theme which emerges out, they are still very close to the consumer. It doesn't sure. matter how big the organization hmm. is. Priority has always been talking to the consumer listening in. So consumer listening tools right at the start helps you a long, long way in building brands for the future. Mm. When I say listening to this is more like things which will give you sentiment analysis. So is this more like pick up the phone and talk to a bunch of people, at least at a sample set level? I think it's a combination of sure. both, right? Uh, a lot can happen on the sentiment analysis, but a lot also happens when you talk to the consumers. Sure. It has to be a marriage of both. Marriage. Right? Because you're setting up fundamentals at a 50, 70 lakhs uh, a month, mm. keeping the big vision in mind, you are setting up your organization still. Right. I think investing in building those right tech layers into it, it, it's again very important because while you are focusing on the product, the core offering, at least to the extent the capital in the bank allows you to, the time you have allows you to, but it goes a long way in shaping up the path you will take. Because what also happens, Ankur, is some brands will just create that virality question very, very fast. Sure. Now at that time, you won't get enough to react. Hmm. But if you've known, you can actually cash in onto that validity, right? So to the point around, how do you get into a next orbit, right? It all boils down to the fact that have you created that space mission, right? At the same time, which is around getting that data layer, getting the right structures in place, uh, talking to the consumers. I mean, that is that is where it, there's no rocket science per se. You know, what's very interesting often is there's this debate between spend on brands versus spend on performance, pure play performance, which is part of the funnel driven. And then there is this whole investment towards technology components. Now, most people tend to, let's say, worry about budgets when it comes to tools and platforms simply because they feel it's a fixed cost, which is kind of like how a server cost has to be. They don't necessarily see in the same light of what a revenue impact or revenue delta it can bring in long-term value and insights it can bring. So, you know, I would then probably break this down into three cost components. You know, the allocation of spends towards brand, and this could be, you know, at different stages different. And for a 50, 75 lakh brand, is it okay for them to be doing one extra one stuff at all? Well, I mean, not really. It depends. That's where it well, it, it, well, not really. I mean, I think in fact, when we evaluate companies, we look at saying, you know, and these are of course good indicators to say, what's the capital efficiency of the business going to be? Is the consumer love getting established? Is the product market fit getting established? Mm. Because that one X ROAS means every time you're spending almost equal amount as what your product price is, which uh, I mean, the revenue equal to what you're spending market as marketing means that the consumer is possibly a very flirtatious trying to experiment with the with the brand and the product has not found that that love and the product market fit i think uh, to your point i'll just take a step back on saying today where you are trying to create discovery right on social media platforms or on google etc there's a lot which is available on tech sure right there, there is there is a big analytics which is 
readily available to you. It's mm. a plug and play. When you are selling it on your platform, the Shopify's of the world have graduated to an extent that you almost know the pulse of your business. When you're selling on marketplaces, you have visibility to a lot. So when you see the three, what is then missing is what happens once the consumer buys. So if you don't plug it very early in the journey, you'll always be seeing the journey from discovery to purchase, but mm. post-purchase journey where you should invest upfront. You should make that investment to cross the bridge on saying, hey, look, this is very, very important. Well, it may not be sounding as a top priority, but I as a founder believe that this is what's going to be the game changer, right? As I said, when organizations and brands grow amoebically at times, if you don't solve for it today, you're playing a catch-up game later. So you need to make the right investments, choose the right partners, spend that while, of course, I understand it's very important to prioritize, it's important to, to make good with the capital you have, but just keep an eye on the big picture. You need to at least balance out the fact that you're not once you understood the consumer love, once you started seeing early signs of product market fit, make that investment, make that choice of taking that bold step of saying, hey, I know that the story will is not ending here and I don't want the story to end here. So those, those are the factors which come into play. Fair. So on the brand side, you have a certain view. Uh, you know, when we looked at the one x robust thing and then there is the top of the funnel campaigns and the bottom of the funnel campaigns. Maybe I'm going in a bit of a loop around the same topic, but just to establish it in a fair bit of clarity for the founder who's, let's say, at a 50, 75 lakh or a 1 crore kind of level, his, uh, a lot of times agencies would come back to him and tell him that you need to invest in brand before you start to get conversions. And that's an always on dilemma because at some point I want to see better results from my performance campaigns. And it, I mean, it, there's always this agenda, right? Because agencies get paid per percentage of the spends. And that's the practicality of the markets we operate in. So I don't know if enough founders have a very transparent understanding of their full funnel. Most of the people I speak to don't seem to have a very, very clear view of the entire funnel. And then this whole confusion around how much is good enough and where do I draw the line? And where do I call the bluff that, guys, you're not really doing a great job at performance, so I need to switch, build something in-house or whatever. So this whole hire somebody in-house and try to build with them, learn this yourself, because a lot of founders, which are product first, don't necessarily understand you know, Google Ads as natively as they probably need to. How do you solve for this? I think, uh, great question. I think this is something which we've seen time and again hit the, the founders, uh, you know, in terms of the problem statement. Uh, look, one, today there is enough available on the online media where founders can invest time. In fact, actually, if I see founders who've got a very good grasp of how funnels need to be managed, one common theme is they've invested time hmm. to learn this. Some of them okay. don't come from that background, right? And today, the world offers, I mean, the digital media offers you that. There is enough on YouTube. There are so many bloggers. There are so many, I mean, folks like you've put in so much content, right? Sure. To say, today, can you learn this almost from, you know, 101 of building it? So that's one. Second, uh, it's, yes, it's to say that you better do that or else you're going to have a hard time. I mean, you need to understand, right? I mean, you can't throw people and agencies at every problem, right? And that early stage, you, you need to understand this. And if you understand this, you will get closer to understanding the consumer, right? That's how you should treat it as. Because on the one side, usually a lot of these solo founders, they'll be either the product makers or the product sellers. The, the ones who know how to sell don't necessarily know how to make. And the ones who know how to make, they'll probably be food scientists or in some cases designers and other kind of very hard skills which are done well for themselves, but they won't necessarily know the marketing side of things. So in some sense, in your reading, uh, either the same guy really learns his things reasonably intimately to a level of confidence, or he teams up with somebody who can do a good job at that. What's yeah. generally the approach to take? So, so the first one, as I said, you know, one, learn. definitely learn yourself right mm. now. How much of that then eventually translates into an execution, but it's very important to set the direction. Sure. And for that, you need to understand how digital channels work, right? And you have to understand that to the nuances, right? Because also those channels are evolving. Yeah. So one, you, and, and you know, it's a very uh, beautifully laid out learning path, right? And, and at least I've seen founders tend to enjoy it. And they, they just get so immersed in learning that because it's giving them so beautiful insights. In fact, one common, sorry, just digressing a little bit, but on a sidetrack, one common um, thing I search for when I meet founders is, are they giving me those two or three insights which I didn't know? From if their funnels give, or their I mean, customer insights? The cons consumer insights, right? So if they've given me at least one or two wow insights, I'm mm. sold on the founder. 
Okay, right. which this kind of reflects on their uh, preparedness, willingness, as well as ability to dig through data. And yes, and it all, all comes down to this, right? Sure. So that's one. Second, of course, the agency ecosystem itself has matured, right? Even in the likes of today, Meta and Google, and we work so closely with them, hmm. and and that's been one of the one of our alphas where we've almost co-built some of this with them. Today, they've got such great agency rosters. So. Because your spends are going to be some on some of those platforms. Again, of course, the new platforms are emerging, etc. But they can at least guide you in saying, "Hey, look, this is what your problem statement is. These are the agencies." While it's not a recommendation to say A versus B, but to say this is the the hopper, right? Sure. And and then you can interact with them to first figure out saying because the businesses are so different. I'll give you a classic example: mm. healthcare businesses are built so differently, right? Or for example, today somebody is building in the gaming space. because these are fairly new and emerging and fast growing segments and platforms where you spend your dollars on you know they themselves are evolving for these some of these categories the agencies have not got exposed to it so much right so ultimately it boils down to doing it yourself sure and then the agency's role is different than possibly just strategizing it right i mean the strategy has to come from you execution may be through the agency and then just the I hands think, you have to still have the brain of your own yeah I think to your point around the agency is right or wrong, etc. It takes me back to age-old days when we used to run sales and marketing with some of the brands. The constant struggle between who's right, who's wrong, right? I mean, whether it's the sales, whether it's marketing, actually, I view it with the same lens, mm-hmm. right? Ultimately, it has to work together. There could be point of differences, but the core of what you're building is known to you. The funnel of how to execute. is either known to you or you've built that capability in house or you've partnered with an agency right and mm-hmm. and agencies have done a great job in india right it's i mean no shying away of credit from there really? but unfortunately that's not a single answer for everyone everywhere because there's enough agencies and enough startups which have not gotten past seed to series a which is sure not always to be blamed on the agencies but in a lot of cases this is the poor use of capital right in some sense if they known better how to deploy the first let's say half a million they raised Uh, they might have seen a different outcome that's kind of where i'm coming from where a lot of companies which are otherwise probably decent products will end up in the mortality mog because they just poorly executed the capital they had i mean um, i think agencies today have also a very great understanding of the 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 platforms right and even founders mm-hmm. right actually the best part is ecosystem today offers you enough opportunities between the agency and the founders and even beyond to learn the tricks of the trade sure right so at least in my view the partnership model will always work where there is clarity right if you have as a founder clarity on saying this is what my consumer is and this is whom i am solving for of course you will know the product proposition uh, you know it's is the closest to your heart marrying the three and executing it now what what does it boil down to right it's about campaigns it's about storytelling right the the way you have literally translated your value prop with the right messaging so communication communication is right hearing the consumers with that right story and engaging with them right it's it's an iterative process you won't get it right on day 1 you have to be patient obviously you have to watch out for mistakes and correct them very fast because some of them could be detrimental and there will be failures i mean there's no shying away from the fact sure. that there'll be failures but till the time you married these two approaches together uh yeah i mean winners can be created so you know the couple of uh, insights or other pointers i get from co-founders of dc companies or consumer digital first companies so one guy for instance is obsessed that if i don't get a 2.4x roas out of this exercise i'm not doing it i can give you let's say a couple of weeks here and there to optimize but beyond that don't give me the top of the funnel rubbish i don't care I'll cut a pull the plug on it, and I'll do something else which is still doing that for me. Because whatever capital I have, I'd rather deploy it in a fashion which is going to give me this outcome, or else I'll not do it. But is it the same approach that can apply to anybody else, or is this something that should be treated with you know a certain fistful of salt? That for a brand which is in a completely new category, which has to train, get the people to trust, they will have to do a one extra was affair for the first six months. But then by then by the end of it, I don't know what they'll be left with. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, marketers have always pegged the fact that marketing brief becomes the starting point, and it always is the most important thing. Mm. And then it comes to execution, right? So as I said, it has to be looked at as a hand in hand in terms of 
value prop translating into the right content sure that content getting right execution through the, the right channels the choice of channels the frequency the profiling i mean there is so much already available for founders and the agencies alike to how do you segment the the, the consumer sure i mean one x rovas could all boil down to the fact and we've seen this uh, on a nonin basis <laughs> with companies where everything was right but just the fact choice of that segments was wrong yeah the, the choice of consumers right so while you at least in your understanding of the market believed and and in category creators you have to be as experimentative as possible to get to the <laughs> right mix of who's my consumer what messaging or communication is hitting the consumer right and is my value prop actually getting translated and communicated i mean look at the the consumer base itself is so wide in india right so india has that peculiar problem but i i think there are a lot of steps of opportunity and there are a lot of potential red flags very early you can mm. watch out for and make that correction rather than getting into a discussion later where it boils down to Stupid. a blame game So in some sense what I hear you say is uh, the whole understanding of what your funnels are going to look like the conversion path from there the narration of the story to the manifestation into the consumer facing propositions has to be something the founder has to obsess over himself or herself because without which it's not going to go very far you'll end up being dependent on the wrong people and do a postmortem later which doesn't help anybody Yeah I mean I'm saying you may work with the generic day one so to take that stance to take Yeah but I think it it has to be a fine balance because obviously as a founder you're trying to you know juggle too many balls so it has to be that fine balance that's where agencies come in i mean sure. they understand the space very well so before i think it's all just boils down to saying are you watching every step are you taking that that move around saying how do i get to that calculated bet on saying this is what will get me closer to the consumer this is what will resonate i mean the ab testing right as is, is another very <laughs> use misuse word uh, apart from rewas but it becomes very important to believe in, in what you're doing what you're saying is the founder has to get his hands dirty there's no way you can treat this whole agency plays a black box you guys figure i'm only going to look at the end outcome and especially the end outcome is not the number that you're comfortable with you'll have to get your hands dirty because without that you're probably still operating blind in fact i would take it one step ahead mm-hmm. and i would say it's not only the agency it's about the, the media channels where you're spending money and sure initially on meta and google etc they have programs i mean in fact in, in uh, our scheme of the things the brands themselves i don't think platforms itself have, uh, have I mean, a yeah, those, education plan for, for them it's important they have as i said so much of stuff which you can learn through also they have uh, you know their their ecosystem is mature so you get access to the right folks to engage and learn from saying what's working what's not working just apart from the data you get from them to what's say fun is while i have all the love and respect for these platforms this enough and more surprises they keep throwing for somehow i have a you know view that these guys gain out of all the mistakes people make and the algorithms will keep changing they'll keep doing something or the other which will take people by surprise and then people will have to recalibrate something then there'll be some amount of money and time and hard burn that will happen in that process but to the extent of course they've built a certain level of distribution so obviously the brands can't not do business with them yeah, i think uh, there is fun element in building business i think there'll be no fun <laughs> there'll be surprises <laughs> or surprises so yeah i i think uh, that's that's how i view it um we we've, we've actually run a very programmed way of working with uh, uh, programmatized way of our working with meta google etc and we found tremendous support sure. um, you know right from actually telling the founders what's the right way to think about uh, top of the funnel taking that feedback loop in to say this is what you need to committing their time effort and money to actually co-experiment mm. we've seen that happen in our portfolio right and that has worked so a good uh, very interesting thread around the whole need for obsession with a set of numbers funnels understanding what's going on behind the trenches uh, on your advertising plus a strong let's say view on making sure that your post purchase cycles are also something that you're very very privy to now let's take it back to a sense where a consumer brand has to grow and that growth has to make it an enduring long term sustainable business most people in that journey end up uh, perhaps scaling up and then figuring out that they've not done something right so they end up scaling down as well and you probably had some examples to that effect would be just a good idea to understand what a good growth journey would look like and what are the classic pitfalls that you've seen people make um so uncle what it boils down to it's saying have you set your fundamentals right right in your journey to build enduring iconic brands the way you call it uh it is very important to get those right from day one right that obsession about consumer love that obsession about understanding the consumer 
as we were discussing a little while back, it's very important to make those investments from day one. Listen into everything what the consumer is telling you because today sure. the consumer is giving you enough avenues to know them better. Yeah. Right. Uh, right from almost what they're doing when they're not interacting with you as a brand. So, and again, it's so diverse, right? So it's what a Gen Z is expecting of a brand to a millennial, early millennials to even late millennials. It's it's evolving at such a rapid pace. That ultimately, it boils down to saying, am I able to serve the consumer with the right choice of the products in my portfolio and the right messaging because I know what the consumer is thinking? Sure. And I'm, I mean, there is no double guessing the consumers mm. now because if you are in that game, then it becomes very difficult, right? So it all boils down to you know, everything what we discussed so far is around getting, making the right choice of uh, investments in, in partnerships, right? Sure. Get, choosing the right agencies, choosing the right media of getting into the consumer's mind, giving them the right value prop. And of course, running it as a meaningful, you know, unit economics business where at some stage you do have line of sight to profit. Yeah. And that can only be possible. The profitable growth, as we call it, is going to be possible when you have engaged, re-engaged, retained and sold possibly more to that same consumer. At okay. the same time, there is an engine which is running to acquire more consumers. But everything ultimately has to start from day zero right uh, and and not that five years into the business you say it's still day zero but i'm saying really <laughs> the day zero sure. of starting to build consumer brand has to be thought that way to your question around how we see journeys pan out right obviously the way we break it the zero to 50 crore journey is more about discovering getting those some of the elements we spoke about right the 50 to 100 journey so that zero to 100 journey actually is shrinking in terms okay. of timelines, right? Okay. Because if you've got the right product, consumers are opening up their wallet, right? Now, what it means is 100 to 500, you need to be prepared at a much, much faster pace than possibly two years back, okay. right? Because the consumption pattern has evolved to an extent where 100 to 500 itself is seeing a very different dynamic play there are examples of brands which have scaled there are examples of brands who have not been able to cross that 100 to a 500 journey i'd love to get into the why of a couple of these examples this or that sure i mean ultimately the fundamentals of building a consumer brand has not changed right it's just about how you get to the consumer and what you are offering to them because their choices and their they are looking out for something else at times right mm -hmm. i think the 100 to 500 crore journey boils down to four or five key aspects one as we were discussing a little while back saying, have you established a brand? It's not the product and the proposition alone. It's not performance, but brand. Second, channels have evolved to an omni-channel play. Have you planned for, have you thought through, evaluated not only the mind space, but also shelf space, right? Okay. Because there is a degree of awareness creating a new category where discovery could be happening online. There's also discovery and eventual conversion happening in the offline space. Sure. So how do you marry that? The third and very important is have you hired the right, build the right organization, right? I mean, to to a point earlier, you were discussing around how much do you invest? I mean, it's a lot, not only about tech, but also getting that right team to say everybody while is getting up to that same uh, problem statement to solve it collectively and hence a larger outcome, What's also very important is saying at the right time, you're making those investments in building the organization. Sure. I think the fourth important uh, is obviously a lot around tech to say you're solving for efficiency, but you're also investing in building for the future. Sure. Right. So you're almost matching the pace of growth of and evolution of the entire ecosystem. And one of the ways and means to do it is to investing in tech. It could be in-house, it could be through partnerships, it could be, yeah, I mean, I'm saying if you have to get to that zero to hundred, some of the things we discussed comes to life, has to come to life, but also so that you don't get stuck at that hundred mark and you actually are building it, you need to start putting some of these elements together. Mm. But the way you will build it comes from some of the things we discussed saying, are you acquiring the right set of consumers with the right choices, with the right communication channels, as well as more importantly, have you understood 
whether you are able to and how you are able to retain these consumers mm. right classic example i can possibly give you is one of the portfolio companies was offering a product solving for a problem what consumers fed back is saying hey look you solved for my problem in 3 months now what give me a new product sure so the entire npd engine was built around saying hey look the consumer needs maintenance product the consumer needs wellness products because you've cured some problem the trust built on the brand is so high how do i encash on it sure so at times you also need to think of this as saying retaining consumer means npd npd it means going and telling the consumer saying hey look you wanted this i have made it possible for you right so there are a lot which goes in thinking and building those enduring brands uh so yeah i mean that that's how we look at you it you know what i'd love to also hear is some of the classic pitfalls you've seen happens art of possibility is so much right i don't think i'll be able to pinpoint on one single reason why you should or you should not go into an app sure. but coming back to <coughs> tech becomes important hmm. right either to drive efficiency actually the, the faster the pace of reacting to the insights is where i see tech playing a large role right because but when you say tech you're not necessarily referring to building a tech team in house with some capabilities it could be relevant for some it might not be relevant for some but it's actually both you you know somebody has to internalize what you are seeing but they're obviously you know working with partners Build to buy whatever it. that could be so a it could be both this. i mean mm-hmm. again it depends on a lot of factors yeah, yeah. but somewhere some at least something has to give in right to say that i will prioritize this i will <coughs> get a cto or an equivalent to drive these right while i work with my well, vendor partners it's kind of hard right because for a consumer brand like even the larger ones which are even at 100 cross scale the kind of tech needs and the tech to do list they might have for a lot of these consumer plays might not be enough to get a potential cto candidate excited right i mean i was having this chat with angel broking folks or even with yorika folks folks the challenge with some of these large companies are not exciting destinations for like techies to go and at best you will have like a five people team and this guy would not even necessarily see a career path so i'm just curious if you say that okay you have to have a tech play which is serious in some cases it can be a source of differentiation but in a lot of cases that might not even be so till the time you are able to a visualize the 100 to 500 journey because sure. you know you're not building to stay at 100 you're, you're saying there is a large right. opportunity and even beyond 500 mm-hmm. right there is a lot which tech can do Okay. Right, it could be a source of efficiency driving. It could be a source of differentiation. Hmm. Right, till the time as a founder, you're clear on saying, "Hey, look, this is going to be important. This is going to be a key source of not differentiation but growth in my journey." If you have that conviction, you will get the right talent. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just about crossing that bridge in your mind to say, "I need to invest in this." So on one side, you wanted the poor little founder to invest in understanding all the funnels. Now you also need him to understand everything to do with what tech can do for him. So obviously, uh, a founder's heart is a hard one to wear, and there's always going to be so much more to learn. But that just makes the game a lot harder to win in some sense, right? And I think we're talking of very different stages of the journey, sure. right? Uh, initially, obviously, you're saying I want to first get the product right. Then you're saying, how do I marry this with the right yeah. performance and content? then when do i make the switch to say performance and brand then you're saying am i getting into the right channels at the same time building the organization runs throughout building tech and the role and to the extent you will sort of invest and it could possibly be not coming into life way way early right it could be saying okay from here my journey and my role will be different and obviously a founder wears multiple hats but that's where a potential cto comes into play to say hey look this is not something which is my core skill set this is i want to be solving for consumer and continue to build on that i will get in functional heads so we've seen actually a lot of founders a have very great openness to say i will build in functional hmm. heads tech where i don't have a background i will get that right talent is enough available and we we seeing that matchmaking right early signs sure uh, but as i said we've started to emphasize on the role each one of it plays because ultimately it boils down to saying at scale with the different choices of channels some are indirect some are direct how do you continue to understand the consumer to retain them better right? you know that would bring me to a last part of our conversation but i want to take a different tangent because you've also invested in a distribution company somewhere the intent was to understand the offline world better and also maybe bring together some of this data on repeats at the retail store level back to the brand what's the lens what's the angle there so one you know obviously omni channel continues to be a big focus area 
uh, what's interesting about Rippler, which is the company you're referring to, is the age-old distribution doesn't feed back the right data into the, um, to the, to the brands to say, because a lot can be discovered by looking at what's store happening level. at the store yeah. level, right? Now, if that layer is built in, so imagine for a digital-first brand, while in your D2C journey, to somewhat looking at the Amazon data, talking to again your Meta, Google, etc., you figured out one part of the journey. Now, as you look at the the next stage of the funnel, to say when I go offline, when I have a little wider distribution, have I created a platform which is giving me access to understand and keep on building on it? Is where Ripple comes into picture. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was that was the core genesis of why point. we believe that this is something which will go a long way in shaping up the future of uh, digital-first brands actually in India. Sounds awesome. So, well, nobody said founding a company and building an enduring brand was going to be easy. Clearly, tons of had to be won. Thank you so much for doing this, Ankur. Extremely insightful. A pleasure. So, Ankur Khaitan represents the optimism and the bullishness that Fireside Ventures has on the potential of D2C brands in India. It's fascinating how they've consistently been investing in the space and also watching the founders evolve over a period of time in terms of their maturity and understanding of business. The part that is also fascinating is there is no way out for a founder except being obsessed over funnels. Whether he does it in-house or with an external agency, he needs to be mindful of his own funnels. The part which is also a revalidation of our own thought process is the fact that acquisition-led efforts will always have to be supplemented by retention-led efforts from very, very early days. Here's wishing Fireside Ventures a great success with their next ventures.